if you do care about your craft and you really do care about quality and excellence, it's perfectly normal to always want to do better. But at the same time, you need to really be somebody who is confident of your own story. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. I hope you were inspired last week as I was, that all of us at the Humphrey Group were by International Women's Day and its theme of balance for better. You know, I personally and our firm has long been committed to supporting the advancement of women, to developing their skills and those of their allies so that they can be heard and recognized. And it's always important to take uh, a day, a year to really focus on what more we can do. So hope you had a great week. Uh, and encourage you to go back and listen if you're still in that mindset to uh, my podcasts with uh, Ellen Noble, with Jody Kovitz, and with Michael Bach, all of whom, for different reasons, talk about how we can support and promote diversity and equity in the world. Today, I'm really excited to have Pamela Slim on the Inspire podcast. And Pamela is someone who uh, wrote the memorably titled book back in 2009, Escape from Cubicle Nation, from Corporate Prisoner to Thriving Entrepreneur. And uh, she certainly embraced that. You know, after leaving the, the business world, uh, the corporate world, she's become a successful entrepreneur who, who's actually now in the business of helping other business owners thrive. And her most recent book is Body of Work. The subtitle is Finding the Thread that Ties Your Story Together. And as someone who's in the business of storytelling and the business of helping people tell stories, I want to have Pamela on to talk with her about why you need the story, uh, how you craft stories, how particularly in this day and age when our lives go through many chapters and the stories that we tell about ourselves uh, have to be deeply authentic. She has a lot to say on the topic and I know you will enjoy our conversation. Pamela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'm really pleased to have you. I know we had a great first conversation about, uh, you know, when I saw you online and we were introduced by a mutual friend that there was a lot that you could offer our listeners in terms of how you help people, well, how your own story led you to a place of professional fulfillment and also how you help others to tell stories about their life. And, and I think in the time that we find ourselves in now, Leaders have to be able to tell stories, and they have to be able to tell stories that capture their whole body of work, not just the segmentation of this is what I do professionally. Uh, and that's something that I think will be of great benefit to anyone listening. It's something I'm excited to learn more about, and that's why I want to have you on the podcast. Wonderful. So maybe before we get into how others can tell stories, you can tell your own story. Uh, what's led what has been your journey to this point professionally and personally? Yeah, well, for me, I, I have, it's funny, upon reflection, um, done just about every 
kind of work mode that is possible to do. <laughs> and so as I, as I look back, actually, when I was writing Body of Work, I went, oh, yes, you know, I have worked in nonprofit and I, I have worked in a corporate setting and I have worked for myself. So my my journey really started with a, a deep love and connection with community development and economic development. So in school, my degree was in non-formal education in Latin America. I mean, I lived in Mexico and Colombia and Brazil and was really drawn to looking at uh, how change happens really at the grassroots, sometimes in um, when with folks who are really facing very challenging odds, um, like people I worked with in Colombia, you know, that were like living on the outskirts of the city in Bogota and I was an intern in a teacher training program where, where the some of the women from that neighborhood were learning how to be teachers so that they could stay home and be providing, you know, care to the the kids in their neighborhood. And so kind of looking at that big macro picture was always really interesting to me, right? How can we make the world a more equitable place? Um, I know a, an underlying current of a core value for me is, is that when we have economic security, when we have work, when our business is flourishing, it just provides emotional stability, right? It's one of those fundamental things for us that um, allows us to provide shelter, you know, for our family. Uh, when we don't have that, it can just tend to cause all kinds of angst. And uh, everybody works in their own ways. And for me, it's always just been like my um, area that I love so much is just the world of work. So I kind of started in that path. And as I had the experience of being an expatriate aid worker, part of that didn't really fit with my philosophy about grassroots development. Because I thought, what does a 19-year-old American <laughs> have to add value to folks who have been living here in their own history and their own culture for so many years. So then I just decided more to do work within my own communities and kind of traveled the path through nonprofit at first at a community foundation, an art and science museum in San Francisco, where I'm from, the Exploratorium. And then I, I landed into corporate training and development, which despite having written Escape from Cubicle Nation, I actually loved the work that I did within corporate. I I was really interested in the field of, of just looking at how it is that people learned. I became passionate about understanding how to help people really fit into ideal roles so that they could feel fulfilled in the work that, that they were doing in corporate. And um, I really enjoyed myself when I was there. And then in 1996, I had turned 30 and decided that I was just ready for a new challenge. And so I quit actually with the intention of just finding another job, but I started consulting as, as a way to bring in some extra money. And it was actually when I was consulting that I realized that I loved the the independence of, of working for myself. And that started about 10 years where I, starting in Silicon Valley, working with a lot of tech companies on, on the, you know, the human side of business, how to help them create environments that people would want to work at um, that just got me on this whole path of really learning about just a deep dive into how it is that people related at work. And then toward the end of that time, I saw there were so many people who would talk to me often privately, pulling me in a little corner. Sometimes the, the same VPs who had hired me to come in and do work to help retain their employees would be would whisper and say, how did you do it? Like, how did you leave to start your own business? I'm really excited to do it, but I don't, I don't know how to do it. And I had actually some very deep, profound 
profound emotional, personal uh, conversations with people um, in corporate environments. And, and so that was what led me to, to start my blog, which was Escape from Cubicle Nation in 2005. And I, I did that intentionally because I did want to help people leave corporate to start a business because I noticed there were a lot of people who were interested in it. And if you remember, uh, listeners remember at that time, there, there weren't as many resources. There weren't people talking about side hustles like I started to talk about. And so that became a whole wonderful, magical mystery tour of uh, working with thousands of people over the last 13 years and, uh, you know, really begin to develop the depth of understanding about that journey of entrepreneurship. But, you know, tying everything together always, you know, it just always keeps coming back in every iteration of my own work is helping to build that sense of meaning and purpose at work, which means that people can be really excellent, focus on their craft, enjoy what they do, and also develop a really solid economic flow so that they're not stressed and they can take care of themselves and their families. Hmm. And I think that is very much something I've seen you know, in my 17 years in, in the business is that corporate leadership, what people expect of leaders is now something authentic. It's not just the corporate message. They want to know why should I be there? And part of that is we want our leaders to be human, but part of it is also people are not working 40 years from the, for the same company. And so they're saying, if you can't connect meaning for me to why I'm here and what I'm doing, I'm just going to go somewhere else. And so I think it is really important now that leaders are able to tell stories about themselves, about the work they're doing. And you've, you've mentioned that. So the first question about that I put to you is, why do so many fail to do so effectively or struggle to do so? I think two main reasons. And one is because we're often socialized to not think that that is important to focus more on concrete, you know, facts or figures, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the operations of running a business, rather than thinking about that emotional connection. It's just, it's often the way that we're socialized. It could be depending upon the, the mentors that you've had, something that is common that people might say to each other is, you know, guy, you shouldn't, like, don't worry so much about that. Don't get so focused and kind of in the details and the emotions of what's going on in your workplace that you forget to manage the budget or that, you, right, you don't, you don't get your project done. And uh, I would agree, like getting projects done and managing budgets are a super important part of your job. And it is really important to be having a human connection. The, the other reason why I think people don't do it is because it requires being vulnerable, and depending upon the environment that you're in, uh, I've seen, boy, just about everything you can imagine in 25 years as an organizational person, an executive coach. You know, I, I, it's really a, a privilege to be able to hear the stories that go on behind the scenes sometimes, really at every level of an organization. And I know sometimes that we can, as humans, create environments that are actually the antithesis of places where we feel safe to explore and you know make mistakes. And sometimes when you do show vulnerability, it can, it can be used against you, right? It can create a moment in your career where you're seen as not being strong, right? As being weak. And um, it, I, I think it's a real fear. I, I don't think, I, I, always, I always say in my coaching work that when we have fears and concerns about things, a lot of the ways that we 
in a po- kind of a popular culture will will train people to be better leaders is just to think we just need to steal our, ourselves more or somehow will away fear so that if we're just stronger then we can really be you know overcoming fear and doubt and just step into that next level and to me i see it in a very nuanced way uh, part of it i think is i trained martial arts for many years and when i was younger i did a uh, capoeira the afro-brazilian capoeira in my 20s and i did mixed martial arts in my 40s and one of the things you learn in the martial arts is actually to pay exquisite attention to what your fears are from a self-defense perspective, to notice the nuances of when you might feel safe or unsafe in a situation, and to also know that any kind of fear that you might have about somebody who's bigger, stronger, more capable are, is information that you can use in order to protect yourself or in the case where you're having fun challenging somebody, right? And sparring with them, you can use that as a way to get a strategic advantage. So ignoring fear, trying to pretend that you're not scared in many ways is ignoring your instincts about things that you really should pay attention to. So that's the part I always say about vulnerability. It's not just, um, laying yourself wide open in a meeting for the first time where there's actually not emotional safety there, right? It might be in slowly paying attention to the fact that you may feel a little bit uncomfortable as a leader, understandably walking this line between deep human connection and then having respect for the fact sometimes that we need to be cautious about the ways that we connect with each other, right? For a variety of reasons in the workplace, right? That we want to be maintaining and honoring uh, people's different need for privacy within the workplace. So we can have some of these fears and then begin to experiment in small ways, what are ways that we could maybe humanize an interaction or an experience? So for example, if you're leading somebody and maybe they they choke in a really important meeting and you're coming in and you're doing the debrief, um, that you could use that moment to share a story of some time earlier in your career where you totally blew it and you know how that was such an important lesson for you and what you gained from that. And by sharing that story that's a little bit of your own vulnerability, that's something that can really provide relief to that person in the moment and provides that human connection. So let's say you've got the, you've got a client. So they say, okay, look, I've, I've, uh, you're coaching them. And they say, all right, I haven't been, you know, haven't got my story yet about my own body of work, about what I do, but I see the need both for the people I lead, but also for myself to have that narrative to tell. What's the first step you would have them take to crafting and telling that story? So the first step is more to do an assessment. And the the metaphors that I used in Body of Work were about your roots and your ingredients. So your roots are things, I I use plural, um, as opposed to something like your purpose, because a lot of people stress out when you say, what is your singular purpose for being on (laughs) earth? (laughs) For some people, they just, they don't have- Tell me now. (laughs) Can't identify, right, one, one singular purpose. And I've seen a lot of people- spending a lot of years trying to trying to search it out, as opposed to looking at where are deep emotional roots that you have that connect you to the work that you're doing, that provide deep meaning. So an example, when, I, when we were talking earlier, and I mentioned for me, just having that emotional security of knowing that there's stable, predictable income coming in. You know, I know for me, 
growing up, you know, with divorced parents, with a single mom that worked so hard to keep money on the table, you know, some weeks were like a bit nail biting, right, to get through that experience. That's part of a root for me that is really important that reminds me of like who I'm really doing this work for and what it means when people develop capacity around, you know, thriving income. Um, and so for each person, that's going to be very different. Like, why is it that you're doing the work that you're doing? Why does it matter to you? So what is that are, challenging? What are Sorry to interrupt there. Is that challenging usually for people to define? I mean, because, you know, just my, my first gut reaction is, wow, a lot of people might not have even thought about that. It's very true. And again, we're often socialized not really to think about it. So either to think that we're just born knowing our purpose and we just happily trip down the road of life or um, to not really stop and, and think about it. So the process of, of observing it is one that you can, I, I love the metaphor that uh, Jim Collins used in um, Good to Great, which was that for about 15 years, he noticed his own behavior and he had a notebook that he called a bug called Jim. And so he <laughs> would observe himself much like a scientist would observe a bug and say, oh, Jim is not happy when he's in really long, boring meetings. And, you know, Jim is doing this and that. And that's often the way that we need to observe ourselves. The kinds of things that you want to pay attention to are things that evoke strong emotion. So it can be rage, sadness, joy, right? All those deep emotions when you're watching the news, when you have a conversation with somebody, I think each of us has hopefully had that experience of somewhat of a transcendent moment. When you're having a conversation with someone, when you get off stage and you've just totally killed it on stage, that you want to be paying attention to that and then just continuing to ask yourself questions why. Um, my friend Todd Henry, who wrote Die Empty and a whole bunch of other books, but he, the way he phrases it, I love, which is, what are you willing to lay your body down for and say, not on my watch? Hmm. I love it. Okay. So then, so you've got the roots, you've so defined you the them. Roots, then what? Then you really focus in on your ingredients, which are your skills, your experiences, your education, all the formal ways that you have gained experience. And, um, and that's, that's also helpful to know kind of what it is that you have to work with. And then when you're crafting the story with those two things, your emotional root, and then the meaning behind your work, and then also your experience, it, your story is always contextual. Very often, we, we need to tell a general story in the easiest way we think of that is often like what's on our LinkedIn profile, right? What's kind of what we generally want the world to know about our body of work? How do we want to be known? So that can be a little bit more generic, right? Um, that where we make a choice about the audience that is going to be receiving that message. So generally for LinkedIn, it's people who will be hiring you in order to write either as an employee or people who will be hiring you as an independent business person. When then you get to specific audiences, when you're choosing to give a presentation and to, and to select the kind of stories that you're going to tell contextually, that's where you find that you, you want to be thinking about who is in that audience and what are things that are really important to them. So I know I have such a like weird, eclectic kind of work experience. I can be in a certain situation where maybe I'm in front of a group of really young entrepreneurs that are like super physical and active. And so I might pull out stories 
from my time, you know, teaching and training capoeira and living in Brazil and traveling independently and having a black belt, right? Because I know for them, that's something that they might really relate to. When then I'm, I'm reaching a much more corporate audience, it's important for them to understand that I've worked with many thousands of different people within the workplace, right? I'm comfortable working with senior leaders. So th- there's, there, there are two components to your story that, uh, that I talk about in Body of Work. And one of them is, what is that story that you tell yourself about your work, this is the part that has to have your roots defined because you need to know why you are the person to be doing this work and why you feel confident at particularly picking up this challenge that you're bringing forth in your body of work. And if you don't believe your own story, (laughs) you're not convincing anybody else, right? Right. And that's where I, I find a lot of our dissonance happens when we have um, when we get discomfort, when we feel like an imposter, is it's it, it, it there always is a strong root there. And sometimes you can discover that you're in the wrong kind of work where you can't find any kind of connection whatsoever as to why your work is important or why you are uniquely qualified. And if you dig and dig and dig and don't find it, then very often you sign. might want to shift, <laughs> right? Your right. work. But in other cases, if you do care about your craft and you really do care about quality and excellence, it's perfectly normal to always want to do better. But at the same time, you need to really be somebody who is confident of your own story. And then and then when you choose to tell that story, you're very conscious as to who's in the audience and what what is that particular type of change or influence that you want to make? Are you trying to get a job? Are you trying to educate about something? Are you uh, looking to get a new client? That's where you can go from all of your background and choose the things that are most relevant. And one of the reasons I used, yeah, that's one of the reasons I use the metaphor of ingredients. You can imagine you're cooking a pot of stew and you have a whole cupboard filled with spices, which is like all the experiences and skills you have. If you just dump it all in the pot, it's not going to, it's going to taste terrible. And that's often what we do is we're trying to just load everything in. So somebody understands all of our experience and they end up just being totally confused. Hmm. So there's, and you mentioned there are two kinds of stories that you need. You need the story that you tell yourself. And was the second one, the one that you tell to the world, like on LinkedIn? Yes. I mean, the story you tell to the world, as I said, is going by definition, it's going to be many stories because we speak to different audiences depending upon the change we're trying to make. So yes, we often have a standard story that is on our about page or on LinkedIn. That's right. Kind of the nutshell of, you know, he was an NFL player and, you know, she was an opera singer and later, you know, whatever, (laughs) but, but the nuance are going are gonna to be contextual and change all the time. So since I have you and I, I'm fascinated by this, I, I might just take you up, if you're open to it, take you up for a little coaching for myself here on my story. <laughs> you know, I think let's do it. I'd love let's to do, do it. it. So yes. here you've got five minutes with me. <laughs> what should I, what question should I answer to craft my story for you? And I'm prepared to be vulnerable and open here. <laughs> I love that. Thanks for doing that. Okay, so, so tell me a little bit about your roots for I, I I'm, I'm assuming people know what you do but but give us the nutshell of what we do sure. for the context so of this the, the short version of what we do and you know I, I run and own a company that is solely focused on helping people build their leadership communication skills and that means 
helping people take the ideas that they have within them and articulate them, whether it's in a speech, a meeting, or a conversation, so that others say, wow, I believe in that and I want to do something with it. Mm. And so that's what we do. Um, you know, me personally, what I do is I, you know, I've been passionate about building the company. My mom started the company 30 years ago. I went to work for her out of school and I, I love the work. But what I really saw was that much like you seeing that there was an opportunity to help many people, I believe that the skills we taught really had broad applicability around the world. And so my drive was to not just do it myself, but to find like-minded people and to bring what we taught to as many people as possible in the world. So that's what that's what drove me to build the business and ultimately uh, buy it from my mother who retired and continue leading it today. Awesome. So, so for the roots for you personally around the actual what of what you do, so to really mm-hmm. building that leadership capacity, right? Making people better, um, better at conversation, better leaders. Why does that matter to you personally? Well, because, you know, I think everyone's had that experience of having a conversation with someone, you know, at a, at a party, at a bar, and they say, if, if only people would see if we did X or we did Y, how much better this process, this company, this country, this world could be. And so I just think, gosh, the only thing that often stands in the way of people seeing are communication skills. And the ability, and I, and I think if we can help people build that, it's not something innate that you're born with. It's a skill. We can help those great ideas be heard and acted on. Are there any like particular ideas to be heard and acted on that are important to you personally? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say you know one one area of passion for me is supporting uh, you know diversity and inclusion in a whole host of. On a whole host of fronts, we've we've had a long-standing commitment to supporting the advancement of women. We, you know, we see stubborn statistics around women's representation, in executive and board director positions, and compensation equity. And I believe that's one part of the solution is empowering women to be heard and recognized for you know what they need and deserve. So that would be an example um, of one of the one of the causes I'm passionate about. Is there anything about knowing your mom is the one that founded this company? Is there any like relation for you in what either you saw your mom really excel at or areas of struggle that your mom faced being a female that are really significant for you? I do think so. She really had to fight hard and, you know, face stuff that today would might be viewed through the lens of me too. face some real bias and and um, people telling her she should just stay in her old job. And she just had such strength of conviction that led her to create the business uh, and support people and help them. So, you know, I definitely think that's, and the legacy, you know, carrying on what she built, her vision, that's important to me as well. I believe so much in what we do and see the people we have within the company uh, who share my my passion for it. So I, I take that very seriously, that legacy and ensuring it continues. It's so beautiful. So we do, you know, here we have this five minute window, right? To kind of Mm -hmm, begin mm -hmm. to dig in. Often there's like so many, so many more layers of exploration, you know, but like already for me listening and I'm imagining for those who are also listening, like it was so interesting and I could immediately feel this deeper connection Hmm. when you begin to start a to talk about some specifics, right. right? Around the type of work that's important to you 
and why it is that you've seen it. And as I said, probably also for me, right, coming back from just having this, right, being kind of right. in a memory for my dad. With your father, yes. And, right, and looking at this legacy of what does it mean to really up close and personal recognize the challenge that women face, you know, in the workplace and seeing it and like looking at that work that your mom did, you know, were we to have more time, we'd really be digging into like, what did you specifically see? And how was it important to you? And then, as you said, the legacy of the work, because as you were describing, like, the work you in particular like to do in building the company, right? Mm -hmm. That, yeah. you know, helping many people that. having this broad application, you can begin to see, to me, there's often the, there's kind of the big picture structural piece, which is recognizing that there is indeed a new different way that we can work in this case that is more inclusive and will be an easier experience for women who were in the workplace. And there's an architecting of that that can be really exciting, you know, which is part of what I hear from yours, like, right? You, you can see it, you see the big picture, you see how it applies. And then there also is this deeper sense of meaning and of being, you know, an awesome son and recognizing that and being a, a male that is actually standing up in that role of, continuing that work and telling your mom's story alongside your own and right the the stories of others that you're bringing on that in this little tiny interaction you know or parts for me as a coach right there's just there's an intuitive part where i can just start to feel little pieces light up like ooh this is mm -hmm. right there there's something that's yeah, really I, juicy I felt here it too as well did you feel it as you yeah, were telling absolutely. the telling I, those I can stories see, i can see why you're good at what you do because you know <laughs> in taking me from the first question which is kind of a generic you know what does the company do to within five minutes having me connect with some places of personal, you know, the roots. I love the word roots, you know. I think that's what are my values? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, already it starts to engage me much more in passion, very much consistent with what we talk about in our work, which is that if you're going to inspire, you have to have clarity of conviction and you have to get in touch with that deeper story that you have. And so, yeah, well, thank you for taking me through the exercise. Uh, uh, I feel like I was like, oh, we can't stop now, <laughs> but we only have five minutes. So. That's right. We just had a little bit of time. Well, and what's so interesting is you look at that little example of what it is now that you've done on your own and looking at the work that you're doing with other leaders is you see how important it is and how that becomes an instant connection where people could have a very different type of a route for their own work, mm -hmm. right? It may not be their mother, it may not be that particular issue, but they can feel and understand you in a more deep and layered way. And I think that's the part that is such a necessary piece of, of great leadership. And, and it's why this work is so fun. It's probably why you and I really enjoy what it is yeah, that we do. Yeah. Well, I think another thing I'm taking away from it is it's totally disconnected from the job you hold today. And I think that someone who is listening, who let's say they're a you know, a partner, a tax firm, or they're a vice president in the bank, or they're, you know, a director of the telecom or, or anything, this, these roots carry through far beyond your job description and in such a more powerful and human way. And I think now it's, we're looking for that people to uh, abandon the kind of compartmentalization of their lives and instead be full, bring their full self to work. This becomes even more powerful and more important. It is. And one of the main reasons why I wrote Body of Work is because it also plays in 
how it is that you are able to see new possibilities for yourself as you develop and grow in your body of work. So usually it's by force or by choice that we make some kind of career shift, right? And I've seen all of those within my career as a consultant and a coach where somebody might love what they do and they love their role and it's a perfect fit. And then completely by surprise, they're let go. There could be a merger, an acquisition, a new manager, right? And when you are only seeing yourself and your worth and your meaning contextual to the role in which you inhabit, uh, this can be, I work with a lot of doctors for some reason lately. I've had a whole bunch of doctors that I've been working with and many of them are continuing to practice medicine, but looking for really deep ways that they can be integrating other parts of their experience into their work or other influences into how it is that they're reforming and um, really reimagining like how medicine can be delivered, you know, in the workplace. So where you begin to look for the roots and you begin to look at different ways that you could use your ingredients, right? Your ability to organize teams, your ability to, you know, to understand and connect with a bigger mission and, and work that you've done in support of women and equity in the workplace, like that opens up so many different possibilities for you. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, that I think a lot of people get stuck in is how in the world can I go from being a software engineer my whole career into, you know, culinary because I'm, you know, this world that I'm drawn into. And you have to really do some of that excavation to look at the roots and your ingredients to know how indeed you might um, put it forward in a new way. Because we can do all kinds of things and really transform our careers, but we have to know what we're working with first. Well, that's well said. And, you know, I'll, I'll leave that as our concluding thought and encourage anyone listening to go through what I just went through, even if they, you know, can't hire you as a coach, which I certainly think would be the ideal, you know, to pick up your book, uh, you know, it's a body of work to define your roots, to name your ingredients, and to start down this process of discovering who you are. And, and what I'm taking away is that we are so much more than what our job is. Uh, and that when we get to that, not only do we get better at telling stories to ourselves to others but we feel more fulfilled in the work that we do do and i think that's something everyone's after today well said well you you're the one who wrote about it so i and i appreciate you coming on the inspire podcast and sharing your lessons uh, with me and, and giving me a little uh, little in the moment coaching session thank you so much pamela thanks Hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Pamela Slim. I certainly enjoyed the chance to get some free coaching and learn a bit more about how to tell great stories and uh, really how to weave a personal narrative together. Next week, uh, I'm talking with Anna Tudela. Anna is an executive at the global mining company Gold Corp. I've known her for a decade. She's the vice president of diversity, regulatory affairs, and the corporate secretary. And Anna and I have a Uh, great history in that we came together 10 years ago to create a program to support women in Gold Corp. And we adapted our Taking the Stage Women's Leadership Program, built a custom version of it called Creating Choices, which has since evolved to another iteration called Growing Choices, which has reached, you know, uh, over a thousand women around the world at Gold Corp. It's some of the work I'm most proud of doing. And Anna's story is one that is well worth hearing. Uh, So yeah, come back a week later and uh, enjoy my conversation with Anne.